please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. To those guests who've just joined us, welcome. Our next stop is the Magic Kingdom. Ladies and gentlemen, we are approaching our station at the entrance to Main Street, USA, gateway to the seven theme lands of the Magic Kingdom. Welcome aboard the Monday Morning Monorail Podcast. This is Justin Monorail, and this is is episode number 176 of the Monday Morning Monorail Podcast. This is Thanksgiving week. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. I hope you're having a great time, enjoying spending some time with the family and maybe getting some off time from work. But we're here to bring you a little bit of, I'm going to call it our uh, a, a casserole of a podcast that we're contributing to your holiday week. And one of the big ingredients to this casserole is my partner in crime, and that is, of course, Landon the Dawsdown. Landon, welcome back to the Monorail. Glad to be here, buddy. Uh, and, and it is appropriate that I am a uh, big ingredient in this casserole, and it is appropriate that it is Thanksgiving because uh, both the ingredient and Thanksgiving is associated with turkey because, boy, am I one big turkey. <laughs> you, you are a turkey, and I'm a ham. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, you got got to have turkey and ham. Jay, on your Thanksgiving table, is it a turkey only or is it a turkey and ham situation? Because I'll tell you, whenever I go up to Rogersville, Tennessee, to go see my nana, my Uncle Wayne, Aunt Linda, Cousin Logan, and we celebrate Thanksgiving, we are a turkey and ham situation when it comes to Thanksgiving and Christmas. Yeah, if if I'm in charge of the main dish and I'm hosting a Thanksgiving or a Friendsgiving, which happens a lot more commonly, I have both because I know that not everybody's a turkey fan. I personally prefer ham. The only time of year that I'm going to eat a turkey like this. I mean, I might get I might get some deli turkey on a sandwich throughout mm-hmm. the year, but the only time I'm going to eat turkey as a main course is Thanksgiving. So, I want that ham on the table myself. So, yeah, I I always have both. Okay. I respect that. Now, I will say, I dig turkey over ham. That's not to say I'm going to not make room for the ham on my plate. How are you preparing your bird? Because that goes a long way in your love of turkey. Here recently, my boy Harmon, he will deep fry me a turkey. And let me tell you, if you've never had deep fried turkey, you are missing out. Yeah. Yeah. Deep fried turkey is great. I I, got to tell you, I think my favorite preparation (laughs) that I've ever had, and I'm going to say this and we are not sponsored at all. Although Popeye's, if you're listening, we would love to be sponsored by Popeye's. (laughs) Popeye's will do you a Cajun turkey. Um, If you order it ahead of the holiday season, they will do a Cajun turkey for you. And I got to tell you, that Cajun Popeye's turkey was the most delicious thing I think I've ever had. My dad did it a couple years in a row for Thanksgiving, and boy, oh boy, that was good. But if I'm if I'm making it myself, I, I typically bake it. But I, I because I don't have like a huge crowd usually for Thanksgiving. What I tend to do is I'll get like a turkey breast, and I like to wrap that in like a thick cut bacon, 
And and that's how I like to bake it because it holds in that moisture. It infuses some of that bacon flavor into the turkey because I, I don't like a dry turkey. And no, no. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a way to kind of prevent it. It's very, very good. I highly recommend it. Oh, that sounds it. really good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everything's better with bacon. That is true. That is, And it's funny you mentioned the Popeyes thing because I've been seeing commercials for it here recently. And I've been thinking, dang, that does look really good. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Something to remember. Uh, and also speaking on uh, fast food places, uh, doing your bird up for you on Thanksgiving. Local uh, shout out here. If uh, you're in the East Tennessee slash Knoxville area, Buddy's Barbecue will smoke a bird oh. for you. For, uh, yeah. for Thanksgiving, and that, that is really good as well. Yeah, yeah. Save yourself some trouble. Let some of these fast food places prepare the bird for you, and then you're not waking up Thanksgiving morning going, holy crap, I didn't defrost the turkey overnight, and now yep. and now, and now we're going to be eating Thanksgiving dinner at like 10 p.m. because I dropped the butterball. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to Google how long do I put turkey in microwave to fix. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, don't do that. Don't microwave your bird. And also, going back to deep frying turkey, there is an aspect of danger to that. So if you are going to try and deep fry a bird, be very, very careful. Oh, yeah. And um, and move it away from your house. Yeah. And make sure your uh, your bird is completely thought out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's the big reason why I've never done it myself. I I know there's mm. there's a lot of risk involved in deep frying a turkey, and then also yes. I don't know what you do with all that oil once you're done. How do you dispose of it? I don't know. Where does it go? Yeah, honestly, I don't either. That's why I let my boy Harmon do it. He dude, he sets up like a like a it's it's almost like a like a factory of of deep frying. Uh, like the day before or the day of. Thanksgiving, it's incredible. You just drop the bird off. He like I'll hang out with him. Like forty five minutes later, I have a freshly deep fried turkey. Oh wow! And 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 then he just takes care of everything else after that. But then so awesome. um, The trade off there is you've got to spend forty five minutes with Harmon. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) well, you got me there. But you know, it is the season of of giving thanks, and I'm thankful. That I only have to spend forty five minutes with. Yeah, him. there you go. Wow, uh, random shots for Harmon. Yeah, he's, he's not even here to defend himself. I know, right? Yeah, <laughs> Harmon, come on the pod, defend yourself. Yeah, um, yeah. That that will be a very explicit episode <laughs> of the Morning Monorail. <laughs> That's true. Well, you know, I, I enjoy all this Thanksgiving talk, and I do want to say tomorrow night we have scheduled. Actually, Wednesday. I'm sorry, we we did it for Wednesday. Um, Wednesday, we've got a live episode of the of the Passholder Lounge scheduled, and we're going to be really diving into a lot more Thanksgiving talk. But specifically, we're going to be talking about Thanksgiving movies, and we're going to talk about our favorite Thanksgiving dishes and just Thanksgiving traditions and things like that. So if you are available Wednesday night, who's got anything going on Wednesday night before Thanksgiving? Nobody does. You're looking for something cozy to do. You want to hang out, relax on the couch, enjoy like a little beverage and maybe get your mind right. Get yourself ready for that Thanksgiving meal. Join us Wednesday night on the Passholder Lounge and let's talk about some Thanksgiving stuff. I think it'll be fun. Um, I would I would wager to guess that we're going to talk about the difference between stuffing and dressing because people love to get me riled up about that every year. It's a tradition, and so I'm ready for it. And I'll come in guns a blazing. I'll just warn you. I know the difference. Do you? I don't know if you do. Wow. 
Yeah. The gauntlet has been thrown. Yeah. There's a Publix commercial this year, and I actually think I remember seeing it in previous years, but this year um, it's really gotten my attention. And it's 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 like a daughter who's now grown up and she's got her own family and she's making a traditional family dish. So she calls her mom because she's like, Mom, I don't remember what temperature do you put the oven on? What do you put uh, parsley or thyme? Like, how do you do it? And she keeps calling it stuffing. But here's the thing. It's not going in a bird. She's putting it in a casserole dish and baking it. So Publix, I am here to tell you that is called dressing. <laughs> Good grief. Fake news. Fake news. Wow. Yeah. Jay is publicly calling out Publix. This is great. Yeah. Come at me, this Publix. Is o- yeah, this is only a taste of what you have to look forward to on uh, Wednesday night's uh, Passholder Lounge. That's right. <laughs> and I don't care. You can, you can come at me with your, we've always called it stuff. I don't care. Then you're wrong. And your grandmother was wrong. <laughs> wow. <laughs> happy Thanksgiving, everybody. <laughs> what, are, what are the holidays for if not arguing with people that you love? Well, you got me there. That is that is very true. Yeah, <laughs> it's funny to go after people's grandparents. <laughs> and at least we haven't started arguing about politics. Dot dot dot. Yet. yet. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that. Oh my goodness! But Landon, so here on the Passholder Lounge, we traditionally talking about traditions. We talk about theme park stuff, specifically Central Florida theme parks like Walt Disney World in Orlando, Florida. And, and more accurately here on the Monday morning monorail, not the Passholder Lounge. Oh, yes, correct. On the, <laughs> I've already transitioned to the Passholder Lounge. This is not that. This is the Monday morning monorail <laughs> podcast. And we're going to talk about uh, theme park stuff. But considering this is a holiday week and uh, we're going to do things a little differently because we're down Steffers tonight and we've got like a whole lot of news that we could get to. But. I think we hold off on that. We also have all of your uh, submissions, by the way, for your hotel Imagineering. And thank you so much for the people that responded. We threw out the question last week if you were going to design a hotel based on any intellectual property or just any immersive theme. Tell us what that hotel would look like. What would it be based on? What would the rooms look like? Restaurant, pool, spa, whatever it is. And you all responded on not only on the Monday Morning Monorail Fam Facebook group, but you responded on Twitter and in the Discord. We created a brand new channel in the Discord specifically for our Discord friends to respond to our weekly questions. So I appreciate that, and we're going to get to all of that next week. This week, we're going to keep it simple. Landon, you just got back from the most magical place on Earth um, just this last uh, week. And you brought back with you a special souvenir. Um, I know you're not feeling great, so I appreciate you being here tonight. But I really want to talk about your trip. I want to talk about your experiences, talk about maybe some places that you experienced for the first time or had good experiences or bad experiences or whatever it may be. So um, the first thing I think we really need to get to because it's the thing that maybe has the biggest impact on us the Monday morning monorail family. And that is of course the changes that are occurring at nomad lounge. So Landon, you dropped this ball on us on the discord. Tell us right now what you learned when you and the smoking hot girlfriend, Lindsay were at nomad lounge on your vacation. 
Yeah, so it was uh, Saturday, November 11th. Me and the uh, smoking hot girlfriend had a uh, awesome time in Animal Kingdom that day. We were able to get on the safari, which is always a great experience. We were able to watch the Festival of the Lion King, which is always a must do, in my opinion, if you're down in the House of the Mouse in Orlando, Florida, talking Walt Disney World. Um, we were able to take in a lot of the uh, Christmas decorations in the Animal Kingdom. I love the uh marionette puppets they have uh that are out there in front of the uh, tree of life right as you walk into what is it discovery island yeah. or whatever uh there in the animal kingdom big fan of those so we got pictures uh we went around and got uh pictures with other cast members and you know magic shots and stuff like that while we waited for our table at at, at nomad lounge to be called so then we go and sit down uh we place our order uh we both get Kungalooshes because Kungaloosh is dope. Best drink on property. Uh, fight me if you disagree. I will still beat you up even though I have COVID. Uh, then we go to place our food order. We go for the sliders. We go for the wings. And then we say, and we would also like an order of dim ribs. <laughs> and that is when our waiter said, all right, let me put that in for you. But I hate to be the bearer of bad news. Today is the last day that the ribs are going to be on the menu. And I'm oh like, wait, what do you mean? He said, yeah, starting tomorrow, they're not going to be on the menu. And a few other items were going to be pulled off the menu as well. And we're going to start featuring these new items. But yeah. all I hear is dim ribs are going <laughs> away. And I'm like, so so does this mean like they're going to be like a secret item? You can still ask for them? No, they're they're no. they're, they're gone. Mm. They're no longer available in Nomad Lounge. Dim oh. ribs are gone, y'all. Oh my gosh i I feel like since day one, when we started touting the you know singing the praises of Nomad Lounge, like it, it it's all been centered around dim ribs, one thousand percent. And the fact that yes, now. I'm not trying to say it's not a great place otherwise because it absolutely is. There's a lot of good food. There's a lot of there's a lot of good drinks. <laughs> I don't know if you all heard that, but there was a little. Yeah, there we go. Um, man, mm. I don't know if we have the rights to get this cleared, but you know, I just just feels appropriate. I I don't know how. I guess the question that I have to ask myself, and I think we all have to ask ourselves in the post-rib Nomad Lounge world is, will it continue to be the best lounge on Walt Disney World property without them ribs? Mm. I don't know. I don't know, man. That's tough to say. It is. And uh, it was interesting, even, even the waiter was talking that he and a lot of the other staff were not particularly happy with some of the moves that they were making with the menu, particularly the ribs going away, because he said this was the second most popular item on the menu behind the sliders, mm -hmm. of all things being number one, which was kind of surprising to me, sliders coming in in the top spot. But, I mean, the wings are still going to be there, The and, and I... I 
asked, are, are the wings hanging around? He said, yeah, the wings are still going to be on the menu. But then he came back and said one of the items that is going to be added is a chicken uh, satay, I believe. Mm-hmm. So he pointed out there are now two chicken items that are going to be featured on the menu. And he said he wasn't a fan of that. So I it's 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 an interesting choice that it seems like obviously here on the morning monorail we're not a big fan of it's an interesting choice that it seems some of the staff wasn't a fan of as well to the point that he also mentioned i love the fact that this cast member was just spilling all the tea <laughs> like like i didn't i didn't have to twist his arm or anything he was just telling me all oh, this it was awesome um that there was going to be a staff meeting with the proprietor of nomad lounge uh to talk about these moves and these uh I guess worries were going to be brought up to management. So, I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe uh, we could see Diz Twitter be used for good, for an instance, and we could see a Ohana noodle situation. Yeah. Excuse me, an Ohana noodle situation. Uh, and if there's enough of an outroar, we could see the return of Dim Ribs. Because if you remember when Nomad Lounge reopened after the pandemic, it wasn't on the menu and it came back. Now, even though it wasn't on the menu, it was still one of those items you could ask for, yeah. you know, if if you know, you know type situation, they would still hook you up with the ribs. But in this situation, it's just coming off the menu. I also found out this was interesting. Um, next time you're in Nomad Lounge, take a look of the bar and notice where it starts and where it ends. He told me that is, that's, that's, that's how big their... Their kitchen is. They don't have a big giant kitchen, so that is why they have such a limited menu in Nomad Lounge. So when they t- so when they add something new to the menu, they have to take something off the menu. And there is one person running that kitchen mm. when it's open. It's run by one person five days a week, and it's run by another person the other two days of the week. And he said ninety percent of what they do in the kitchen is for churros because people come in and order churros to go round the clock wow. when no man lounge is open. Even if they don't come in and sit down, they're getting their churros from the bar to go. So churros really probably in all honesty are the number one item that they sell at nomad lounge, not the sliders. Yeah. It sounds like that. I also found out that all the churros they sell are gluten free, which, which I thought was interesting. And he said, to his knowledge, that was the only place on Disney property that you can get gluten-free churros. So there's that. Yeah. Man. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. Well, so it's funny. I always assumed incorrectly, obviously, that uh, the Nomad Lounge kitchen was just the Tiffin's kitchen. That's just where I thought everything came from. Mm-hmm. Um, cause you could get the Tiffin's bread service bread and, service. Yep. Yeah. And there's, it seemed like there was another Tiffin item, Tiffin's item you could get at Nomad Lounge. So I just assumed they shared the space. I didn't realize that Nomad Lounge had like a, a dedicated tiny little, uh, kitchen and I get it. They, they, there's one person back there. They've got, there's a limited amount of things that they can make. So, and menus change, items come and go, but my goodness, this was just one of those, it wasn't even really a hidden gem, but it was a gem in terms of food items on Disney property because it was delicious and it was like, for what you got, relatively inexpensive as well, because Mm -hmm. 
because I think they were like, I want to say $12 or something like that for the, for the serving of ribs. I, I would love to find you another food item that hearty, that delicious for that price on Disney property. Like, yep. I just, I just don't know that you could do it. So, and I mean, even, even compare it to other like ribs around Disney property. I mean, there was, there was something about dim ribs compared to other ribs you could get like appetizers or just full blown like entree ribs. There, there was something about the ribs at Nomad Lounge that just put them in my opinion, head and shoulders above everything else. It's yeah. like, like Lindsay in, in her past had, uh, extent, extensive experience in the barbecuing world. And even she was impressed with the quality of dim ribs. Yeah. I don't think that they were one of those things that when we recommended to people, anytime they had them, they were like, wow, you were right. These are great. Like Mm -hmm. almost 100% of the time. I can't remember a time somebody was disappointed unless, you know, they got maybe a fatty one. There was a time that I got some fatty ribs and I was like, oh, they weren't so great. Yeah. And and, and I even think I'd I'd come on uh, a previous episode of the monorail like way back in the day on a trip where it's like, I think I think dim ribs may have may have lost a step. And it was just, oh, no, I just I just got some some fatty ribs. And, and, And that and that happens, unfortunately, or rather. That did happen, unfortunately, I say in the past tense. Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, I know we've gone on and on about them, but I do feel like it's worth it because it's something that we've dedicated a lot of time over the years on this podcast to the ribs and Nomad Lounge. And I I guess all I can say right now is dim ribs. We had some good times and by golly, are we going to miss you? And I just hope that we're reunited someday in the glorious nomad lounge and this isn't a forever goodbye that's all no kidding yeah is twitter do use your powers for good for that's right yeah um landon so that was a sad takeaway from your trip but would you would you have any highlights you'd want to share from this trip to the the walt disney world resort well you mentioned it earlier um uh the uh Tiffin's bread service isn't necessarily my jams, but uh, the smoking hot girlfriend tried it for the first time and she was a big fan of it. So, uh, so yeah, there is good. that. Um, uh, let's see what else. Uh, oh, another first time, which I now consider a must do, uh, at least for myself, uh, visiting Magic Kingdom Skipper's Canteen. That place oh, is awesome. Yeah, it's so I had, good. I had never eaten there. Um, the food is great. The theming is great. Uh, the cast member. I mean, it's it's. It's it's literally like you have you have a skipper from the Jungle Cruise bringing you food and drinks, telling you these these just punny jokes, which which make me laugh and smile so much on the attraction. Now you're now you're telling me these jokes while you bring me a kungaloosh, which by the way you can get a freaking kungaloosh in the Magic <laughs> Kingdom, which yeah. dreams do come true particularly down at Disney. So, uh, but yeah, I, I, I was blown away with Skipper Canteen. So uh, that is definitely a must do attraction for me going, or not an attraction experience yeah. rather going forward. And so, by, and by the so way, cool. like for people who aren't familiar, cause we didn't specifically say Kungaloosh is a spiced beer. And I don't know what company, what brewing company is responsible for Kungaloosh, but you can only get it in a very limited amount of places on Disney property. But yes, Nomad Lounge and Skipper Canteen are two of those places that you can get them. And just having a beer in Magic Kingdom is a special thing. I mean, it really is. Yeah. yeah. 
And and as far as I know, Skipper Canteen and Nomad Lounge might be the only two places that you can get them. Because I know at one point, Jock Lindsay, you could get Kungaloosh and it's no longer offered yeah. there, which is kind of why Jock Lindsay is no longer as high on my list of things I have to do when I'm down at, at Disney. And I, I was able to go to uh, Jock Lindsay and experience the uh, the Christmas decorations. And that was that was fun. I had like a holiday martini. It's a whole bunch of like liqueurs and stuff mm. like that with with uh, a cinnamon uh, around the rim. And that was that was fine enough. But I mean, Jock Lindsay just ain't the same without Kungaloosh, <laughs> if I'm being honest. It's fine. I'm still a big Jock Lindsay fan. But yeah, I I, uh, I enjoy the fact that we talked to Steffers and I talked about it last week that Jock Lindsay practically has a whole new menu for the holidays and Oh yeah. <laughs> and that's pretty exciting. And it's very cool that they decorate the way they do. It's it's a very nice, uh, very festive environment if you're looking for kind of a holiday bar experience. Jock Lindsay is is a good option. But you went to another place this trip that you'd never been to before, speaking of uh places to eat and drink in Disney Springs, and I think you had a higher review for this experience. So tell us about your trip to the Edison. Yes. Very impressed with the Edison. Uh, the atmosphere was so unique, so fun. Uh, the drink offerings really kind of that like uh, prohibition era kind of uh, meets a steampunk feel as well. Highly impressed with that. Uh, not going to be a shock when I say uh, top-notch service from the cast members as well. Um, in addition to the drinks being great, the food was phenomenal. Uh, the I think it's the DB Edison bacon. Yeah, the maybe the best bacon I've ever had. Whoa! Uh, yeah, like yes. Uh, this is how it went down. Me and uh, <laughs> me and Lindsay were looking at the menu, and I say, "I hear the bacon's incredible." So, 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 like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna get that as an appetizer. She's like, "Well, I'm not really interested in bacon, but if that's something you want, you want, go for it." I'm like, "Okay." And then I see it's like, "Oh, it comes with uh, sweet and spicy pickles. Uh, would that be something you're interested in?" I do, I do not like pickles at all. <laughs> so she was like, "Absolutely, yeah, I'll eat the pickles." So we we're gonna order the bacon. I was going to eat the bacon. She was going to eat the pickles. Uh, it comes. It looks cool. It comes on like a clothesline. It's hanging. Uh, and mm -hmm. then uh, she's eating eating the pickles out of the like uh, ramekin mm -hmm. that it comes in. And then and then I'm like, oh, this bacon's really good. You need to try this. Next thing I know, she's eating half of it. <laughs> <laughs> so she too quickly uh, changed her position on not wanting bacon and agreed with me. It was some of, if not the best bacon we've ever had. The the coating on it and and it and it's candied bacon too. Yeah. And it's not this like hard brittle candied bacon that I had been introduced to when when i tried candy bacon previously it, it had a nice glaze to it that gave it a nice sweet and savory somehow at the same time flavor texture and then the bacon itself was it it, it was almost like 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 a jerky yeah situation it was so good honestly i could have made a meal on the bacon itself <laughs> much like much like uh, Skipper Canteen, the Edison is somewhere that we look forward to going back to, and we will be going back to. It is a must do, at least in my opinion, in the Smoking Hot Girlfriend's opinion, on our next trip back to Disney. 
did you have any drinks that stood out to you there or oh gosh i'm i'm actually gonna pull up the menu she ordered uh the it's it's their take on the bee's knees let me oh. let me pull up okay uh the menu real quick yeah i mean i think highly of their cocktails like you said that they they sort of do have more of a prohibition style cocktail approach um their signature drinks there are really good um you know and, and i had rave reviews of the event that i went to just a few weeks ago where we got to do the cocktail archives uh, but you know i think it's it's definitely a place i it's funny because my first couple experiences there and maybe i was just there getting the wrong things like i was just like yeah it's it's fine but i i don't know that i would recommend someone pick this over some of the other places in disney springs for their meal but I, I don't know if it's improved or maybe I'm just doing better picking food items and drink items from Edison. But I, the last couple of times I've been there, I've really enjoyed it. Okay, this is what I started with. I started with the bootleggers basil because originally I picked just uh, their their old fashioned. And then as our cast member was uh, kind of explaining some of the uh, drink offerings they have, she mentioned the bootleggers basil and said that this was their take on the old fashioned. And I thought, well, if I'm here, I want to see their their take on an old-fashioned because i love me an old-fashioned the bootleggers basil is basil basil hayden's bourbon honey blackberries a fresh basil leaf and then bitters and generally it's like um, okay all right i'm generally not a big honey fan but the way it all came together was just so damn good it like like a great drink and then another one that she suggested was a just trust me and it's it's appropriate that it was called a just trust me because again it had Stuff in it that I wouldn't necessarily be drawn to, particularly screwball peanut butter whiskey. Oh, yeah. But but in it is, in addition to the peanut butter whiskey, uh, their makers mark private selection. So a private selection made specifically for the Edison, then uh, some black walnut bitters, and then chocolate bitters. With the way that came together, I mean, like, that it was almost like I was drinking dessert. It was oh. almost like I was drinking a Reese's cup. It was incredible. Sounds good. Yeah. And then uh, Lindsay got a Dame will sting you, which is their take on a bee's knees, which is uh, which is a drink that I had never heard of. But Lindsay thought it was incredible. It's a, a Sipsmith uh, lemon drizzle gin, uh, stirring all natural ginger liqueur, honey, lemon juice, cranberry juice. Fresh Savannah Bee Company honeycomb, and when and when they say fresh, I mean there was a literal honeycomb in the drink mm. from the Savannah Bee Company across the street from the Edison in Disney Springs. Wow! And she thought it was incredible. That's awesome. That sounds great. Yeah. And then she also had a he went to Paris, which is their take on the Paris seventy five. Oh, okay. Fantastic. Which, which, I mean, that's just gin, lemon juice, simple syrup, and then uh, some uh, champagne. Champagne, yeah. Well, awesome. Like, I'm I'm really glad that you all had a great experience there. And and because um, I, I know that there were a couple experiences you had from, you know, restaurants sort of around Disney that, for this trip where you just weren't – you didn't get the best service or you didn't love, you know, necessarily what you had. So I'm glad you had a, a really good experience at the Edison yeah, yeah, the Edison was definitely something uh, we both walked away from with glowing reviews. Uh, Abracadabra, not so much. <laughs> I know, that was a bad one. Um, 
I wanted to talk to you a little bit just about how the parks were because I mentioned to you before we started recording that on the Sunday that Casey, May, and I got to meet up with you guys in the parks and we, we hung out for a little bit in Hollywood Studios, we hopped over to Magic Kingdom. May wanted to go see the decorations on Main Street and we didn't plan on being there very long, but we wanted to get in, get a little sense of the decorations, have something to eat, and maybe ride a ride or two. But we got in line for Jungle Cruise and experienced something that I've never experienced before. Um, when we got in line, it was posted that the wait was about 45 minutes. Now, I always use the Touring Plans Lines app to see what actual waits might be compared to what's posted. And at this particular time, it said that the wait should only be, even though it was posted 45, it should really only be 25, I think, let's say 30, just to be fair, 30-minute wait, which is fine. That's actually really good for the Jungle Cruise. Particularly um, the Jingle Cruise. Yeah, yeah. The, and right now they've got the Jingle Cruise going on. So absolutely, I was thrilled that it was going to be less than an hour, and 30 minutes is totally acceptable. So we got in line. And after we first got in the queue, it, it moved a little bit. And then it suddenly came to a stop. And I noticed, I started observing how they were loading the boats. And essentially what was happening was they were filling the boats with the Lightning Lane people who were coming through, who had made the reservations on their little Genie Plus app and gotten the Lightning Lane. They were filling the boats with Lightning Lane. And then every boat was only getting one party from the standby queue every single time. Now, I don't know if this was because maybe there was some extended downtime during the day on the Jingle Cruise. And so people were coming back at this time and they felt like they needed to accommodate the Lightning Lane people who had legitimately paid for their Genie Plus and Lightning Lane access. And I get that. But it was such a problem that... I checked my watch, and by the time we had been in line for an hour, we had only made it through about a third of the queue that was in front of us. And so we made the choice to get out of line, which I hate to do. We had invested an hour in that line, and we wanted to do the Jingle Cruise, but we were sort of you know, fighting against the clock, and we had to get home. We had dogs that needed to be walked and have dinner and all this. So we just cut bait and got out of line, and I absolutely... Um, was upset about that. But I didn't know, you know, as I was watching that, and I started thinking to myself, well, how many times have I ridden the Jungle Cruise in the post-Lightning Lane era? Maybe this is just standard operating procedure now for the Jungle Cruise. But that can't be. It cannot be that they fill the boats with Lightning Lane and then only let one standby group go at a time. So I don't know, Landon, if if when you were in the Magic Kingdom, if you did the Jingle Cruise or or really any other standby line and you had an experience like that while you were here. Uh, we did do the Jingle Cruise, but we saved it for our uh, not-so-scary, very merry Christmas party <laughs> night because the line for Jingle Cruise never got below 55 minutes for our Magic Kingdom day. Okay. Uh, it was very people-y, let's just say, when we were down doing the parks, particularly on the... I'm trying to remember. It was... Thursday was our Magic Kingdom day, so it would have been Friday was our Epcot day. Epcot was almost dang near 
undoable with just how many people were there. It's like, I do understand, you know, it's a Friday. We also realized after the fact that it was Veterans Day. So maybe a lot of people had the day off, wanted to hit up the parks. So that may have also been adding to the crowd. But it's like we were able to snag a boarding group for uh, uh, Guardians when we were there at Epcot. And we were in uh, line once our group was called for two hours. Wow. And unlike y'all who were smart enough after an hour of uh, waiting in line for the Jingle Cruise, we stuck it out. And it was about the hour mark that both me and Lindsay were just like, this is miserable. Like, Like, don't get me wrong. It's like I... Once I finally got on the damn ride, I had a blast and I've, I, I finally got Everybody Wants to Rule the World, which is the one song that I really wanted to hear. So that's a that's something I can check off my Disney bucket list. But it's like up until that point, like it wasn't fun to the point where it's like there for a while. It really kind of impacted our day in the park. And it's like it's like, thank God uh, you and uh, Cocktail Bob ended up coming to hang out uh, later later that afternoon, because, I mean, up until that point, like the experience of waiting for two hours was just such a buzzkill and knowing that we spent so much time of our day. Yeah. Waiting. Yeah. But but I like like the experience that you had where they were like letting what I I guess ninety five percent of the lightning lane people get on then five percent of the standby on the jingle cruise I mean that would infuriate me if I saw that particularly it's like okay I've been here for over an hour we haven't moved while these people who paid for this service mm-hmm. put their skin in the game. Who Disney is almost like elevating, saying that they're better than us because they gave us extra money, is they're they're being let to play because they paid. Yeah. While we just get to stand here. Mm. Yeah, and that's kind of what we had talked about initially when when they first were introducing Genie Plus Lightning Lane and the individual Lightning Lane. Is it it it's just another way for the parks to kind of feel like you've got the haves and the have nots. And people felt that way back in the fast pass plus days. I can remember if I had to wait in a standard queue and I wasn't able to get a fast pass for my favorite ride, I would always look at the people going by and fast pass. And I'm like, Oh, you jerks. I hate those jerks in the fast pass. Like <laughs> they get to go ahead. But you know, we, but you got to be those people too, because everybody got to get fast passes. Yep. Mm-hmm. So you you almost like it's easier to tolerate when you know, well, I got to get a fast pass for Space Mountain. So now I've got to wait for, you know, standard queue for Thunder Mountain or something like that. Whatever it may be, you, you kind of get it because you're all part of it and everybody gets this. You're all on the same playing field. But even so, even back in those days, I don't remember the fast pass management being such that like. It was 90% of the people who had, if you were in Fast Pass, you were going ahead of the people in standby. I remember it being a lot more like 50 50 at most. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. And, and maybe, again, maybe there were ex- extenuating circumstances that caused Jungle Cruise uh, to be operating this way that day. But it just made me think, man, I th- that is such a bummer. And I can tell you, because we were observing the people in front of us, 
Everybody in the standby line was upset. Lots of people were complaining. And I I don't think it was the cast member's fault. I think the cast members were doing what they were told to do. I just think whatever they were told to do, it was sucky for those of us who were in standby. Mm-hmm. So... I mean, never, never want to get mad at the cast members in those situations, but kind of like what you said, they were just doing what they were told and trained to do. But if that's what they were trained to do, that's kind of a problem because like you said, it's creating a situation of the haves and the have nots in a, in, in a park that let's, let's, let's be honest. It's not cheap to get into any of these parks to begin with. And now you want to introduce yet another barrier to, to maybe, experience something you really want to do it's like oh well if you really want to do you can pay what up to 24.99 for everybody in your party to experience it yeah right it's kind of crappy yeah so i don't know now this was also a weird day because it just so happens that we found out after we hopped into the magic kingdom it was the day that they were filming the Christmas parade that's going to be shown on ABC on Christmas Day. So they had. What I thought? I, I thought those were lying. <laughs> everybody, everybody thinks that. But uh, but no, they ran them. They ran it twice that day. We had missed the second running of the Christmas parade just barely because I think they must have started it at like at two or something. Um, so by the time we got in the park, we had missed it. But the other thing they were doing was they were filming the stage shows. And and I guess it's going to be, I don't know if it'll be part of the Christmas Day parade show, but I think it might be like a Magic of Disney Holidays or something show that they're going to do on ABC or Disney Plus. But they had musical guests and they had dancers and different things on stage. We didn't get to see any of the performances firsthand. We saw them setting up and we saw them. Uh, they had the audience practicing cheering. So this oh, is really? yeah, this is something that you may not know if you've never seen one of these uh, f- being filmed in person. But I actually thought when we got to the Magic Kingdom, I, and I think it was maybe around three or something when we got there, they had a sign for special event entry. And I was like, wait, I didn't think there was a very merry party tonight. And in fact, I think on that particular Sunday, the park was open till midnight. Well, as it turns out, it was, but I forgot that what they do is, I don't know how you get on a list to do this, but all the people that they show that are in the Magic Kingdom for these stage shows that are like in the crowd right up at the stage, they all have been chosen to be there. Huh. And what they do is they all have special passes, like they it's a special event for them. They go in and they are part of the crowd, the atmosphere, and they tell them, you know, when to be like like any live show, like, oh, you need to cheer now and, you know, do this. And and they're part of the atmosphere. Those people have to be in that crowd for hours and hours and hours um, standing there with nothing happening. <laughs> um, but then it's cool because they do get to see like, you know, whatever happens on the stage, they get to be there for it. But. Yeah, they got to see Chrissy Metz sing a song or something. Yeah, or whoever, yeah. yeah. So, and they maybe got Maybe to, Pitbull was there. Maybe they he got to see. Worldwide, after all. I think I think uh, Derek and Julianne Huff were there that day, because I think they're, like, hosting the Christmas parade. And I don't know who that is. They're from Dancing with the Stars. That doesn't help. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I just think it's an interesting fact. People may 
not necessarily realize that like the crowd they show that's around the stage for these uh, in park Disney events are all people who were somehow selected and put on a list to be part of that crowd. So I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know how you, I don't know how you get access to that or I don't know if it's cast members. I don't know where they get those people from, but yeah. So enter it. I, I, I did not know that, but, but I guess once you lay it out that way, it makes sense because, I mean, Disney doesn't want, you know, people going rogue or whatever, so to speak, in those situations. Yeah. Plus, they. I also noticed that all the people that were in the crowd, they were all wearing, like, really festive holiday, like, Christmassy get-ups. And so they wanted, you know, they wanted people to be dressed a certain way. And so it, it all makes sense. But it's just one of those things that until you see it in person, you're like, oh, of course, that's how they mm-hmm. do it. I just didn't. You know, I didn't think about that, but yeah. So I'm saying that to say it was a weird day in the parks that we were there because they were doing a lot of other stuff. So who knows what was causing the issue, but it was just, it was a bummer. Um, That is a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. Especially for, you know, Casey, this was her first time in the magic kingdom in like five years. And she, she had said she wanted to do like mainly she wanted to do haunted mansion. And we ran out of time because we spent so much time, in the jungle cruise line. Oh, that sucks. Yeah. So that was a bummer, but anyways, um, I wanted to talk about, uh, one more thing just quickly. Uh, but before I do that, was there anything else from your trip Landon, that stood out that you would want to share as a, as a good experience or, a, or a tip or a highlight? Hmm. Um, Despite waiting two hours in line for it, uh, I do think Guardians of the Galaxy is my favorite attraction on Disney property. Yeah, uh, That thing is so dang fun. The coaster itself is so smooth, and I know some people get nauseous for it. Um, I'm going to knock on wood here. Uh, that's my third or fourth time being on it, and... I've yet to experience any nausea-inducing uh, thing on it, but I, I I love that damn attraction. It's so much fun. Nice. Yeah, it's wonderful. I I always like to say I think Rise of the, Re- of the Resistance is my favorite Walt Disney World attraction, but the most fun attraction is Cosmic Rewind. Yeah, and and I, I I think I think that's fair. The whole experience of Rise might be better. I do like that. Uh, I guess Q experience more than I do Guardians. Though the last time I wrote it, most of it, even the Q itself, was in B mode, and and, and yeah. they bypassed a lot of it. it and it, and then you get on the attraction of Rise itself, and a lot of it was in B mode as well, which is kind of a bummer. Right. So, uh, so I do think you have to kind of dock Rise some points in that aspect. But uh, I, I I really dig Guardians of the Galaxy. That is that is a super awesome uh, experience, and yeah. uh, I'd. Had, had a lot of fun at this year's very merry christmas party um uh the fireworks were awesome uh they something uh, something that i i really enjoyed the stage show itself right before fireworks was kind of lame if i'm being completely honest oh okay yeah uh in my opinion not not worth uh going out of your way for though with the way it lined up uh it was one of those things. It's like, uh, yeah, we, we'll go watch the stage show and then we'll just stay put for fireworks because stage show led directly into fireworks. Right. So, yeah. But but yeah, they had like a Christmas song about how you need to text people around Christmas, which 
which which we thought was really weird. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that is a very modern take on a a Christmas right? message. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, make sure to text your loved ones. It's Christmas. Yeah, yeah. That that uh, me and Lindsay kind of looks like that's 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 weird, right? And she's like, uh huh. Yeah, very weird. But next yeah, year it'll be um, like, uh, make sure you comment on their TikTok and wish yeah, them a merry Christmas. Yeah, be sure and like and subscribe to their podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's truly the one gift to give this year. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to think anything else. Um, oh, uh, the one tip. Uh, be flexible. Uh, go with the flow. Um, stuff is going to happen on these trips, whether it be uh, a, a never-ending queue for for Jay, Jay at the Jingle Cruise, me at Guardians of the Galaxy. Stuff is going to happen on these trips. Uh, and be flexible. Yeah. Uh, don't don't let stuff like that ruin your trip. Yeah. I kind of kind of had to tell myself that a couple times during during my trip, but always always remember that and. The end of the day, you are still at Walt Disney World, right? Yeah, it could be worse. Um, so the last thing I wanted to mention for today, because I feel like it's sort of the elephant in the room, is Jollywood Nights has begun at Disney's Hollywood Studios. So it's, it's a very limited event. I think in all there were maybe twelve or thirteen of these uh, for the holiday season, and it started last week. And boy, oh boy, did the reviews start rolling in for for Jollywood Nights. Mm. Not only during the event, after the event, the next day, I will say Disney has already started to try to tweak and adjust the event to address some of these issues. But I hear, and I don't know that this is 100% accurate, but I hear that people were so upset they were asking for the uh, guest experience team to refund their tickets to Jollywood Nights. And that was actually being done because it was like such a... uh, uh, it didn't, Cluster muck. It, yeah, it didn't deliver on the promises on day one, right? So now if you go back and you read through some of the, the reviews of Jollywood Nights, it came down to a couple of things. I think it was very, very crowded. And then the way that they set up some of the events didn't allow for crowd flow or to spread the crowd out like they should have for Jollywood Nights. Another issue was the check-in process was – uh, kind of messy. And if you were in the park checking in for the event, there was a very, very long line to get your credentials so you could stay in the park. Um, I heard that the meet and greet for Phineas and Ferb uh, at points, that line got up to like 60 minutes to an hour. And this is like an event that's like, I mean, 60 minutes to an hour. <laughs> What's the difference? To 90 minutes. <laughs> I was going to let that one go, but 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 if we want to dwell on it. <laughs> Um, but that would be, you know, you're talking about a limited event that's like four hours long. You're going to commit 25% of your time to, mm-hmm. to, you know. On the plus side, I heard that the uh, Nightmare Before Christmas sing-along uh, in the Hyperion Theater and then in the Theater of the Stars, the the uh, variety show hosted by the Muppets. Both of those very, very good. People loved it. If you could get into those, people were big fans of both of those shows and said they were really good. But... Then they countered that with, we only got to try like two food items because the lines to get to the the food were so long that we had to wait 30 minutes just to get one food item. And then that took like a big chunk of our party time. So I really hope that Disney does tweak and adjust and improve, you know, the event in whatever way that they can, because this was a high dollar event to attend 
and um, I think people deserve to get the the value for their money. But I will say, I believe that they will. I, I, I think that there are aspects of this that, that seem to be very, very good. I don't know, Landon, if you saw any of the videos or, or pictures or anything, but the, the soiree that they had at the tip-top lounge outside of the uh, Twilight Zone Tower of Terror, I think the area they used for it was probably not great. But people mm-hmm. were saying that, that the band that was there was like really good. From what I heard, the food and drinks were good. Um so and then like I know they've adjusted some some things going on at the Brown Derby, but I heard that it was sort of underwhelming the experience in the Brown Derby, uh, and the and actually the piano player wasn't even playing Christmas songs, <laughs> which I, I can't really yeah, understand. Kind of defeats the purpose, but okay. Why that would be? Um, yeah. So it's interesting. I I'll be I'll be very curious to see how this continues to play out. I know they've added uh, Duffy a Duffy meet and greet. Um, to, mm-hmm. you know, and, and they've adjusted some things at the Brown Derby. So as, as we continue to go forward, I, I think Disney will try to improve this, but man, the, the thing that shocks me is that when Disney starts a new event like this, or they have like a big attraction opening, like galaxy's edge, it seems like they haven't done the planning to manage the crowds in an effective way. And it's not like, it's not like this is their first time doing this stuff and it always catches them off guard. And then that doesn't, I don't get that. <laughs> I don't understand that. Yeah. It shouldn't <laughs> catch them off guard. And everything that I've seen a negative about Jollywood nights is it really comes down to, like you talked about crowd management and yeah. crowd flow and how it really kind of bottlenecked in some instances, particularly you talk about the uh, area for the uh, Twilight Soiree at the uh, Tip Top Club. Um, the area itself looked really cool and the experience that they were selling there that you could experience was also really cool, but the area was not built to get people in there and then turn them around and it was really kind of a bottleneck and it like opening night of anything at Disney for any experience is going to be very peopley as I said earlier, yeah. to describe my day in Epcot. And I mean, this this was a sold out event. So a lot of people were going to be there. But it was to the point that we were seeing on social, people were talking about it's just too crowded to the point that they weren't enjoying it. And it yeah. does seem like Disney is pivoting to hopefully improve that and improve guest experience because I do think what they're selling is a cool experience but you can only experience so much if you're standing in line to meet Phineas and Ferb for an hour. You can only experience so much if you're standing in line to get one single food item for half an hour. Yeah. Those two things right there, that's 90 minutes. That's almost half of your time for a four-hour event that costs close to $200 for one person to get in. And if you remember when we were running down the foodie guide for this event, there's some killer food item and drink options that are be op- being offered yeah. for Jollywood nights and it's it's a damn shame that people aren't able to experience more just because the crowd flow at least for the first night was so Whack. inhibitive <laughs> yeah. is 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 that the word I'm looking for? Yeah. Inhibiting. Yeah, sure. Inhibiting. There we go. Remember, I'm sick. You have to be nice to me this week. Uh, but it, I, I I do like that Disney is listening to crowd feedback. I do like, question mark, that in the instances where people were asking for refunds on this, they were issuing those. Um, I do like that Disney 
is making changes to improve the guest experience. And hopefully opening night is going to be just a blip on the radar and the rest of these experiences will be better and we'll go off without a hitch. I did see um, that those who attended some uh, some of these events after opening night, they seem to be more positive than negative. There are always going to be people out there that, you know, you could give them a gold bar. They would complain to you about it. How, uh, how, you know, Oh, well you didn't, you didn't gift wrap it for me or anything, but I do see more positive than negative reviews on the following experiences on Jollywood nights. But I will say for the price point, you do want people to enjoy this, but kind of like what you said, it's like Disney shouldn't be caught off guard with stuff like this. This, this isn't their first rodeo. This is kind of what they do for a living. They're Walt freaking Disney. world. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and to run out of merch the way that they did too on night one. Yes, apparently that happened almost immediately. Yeah, which, which I mean, it's like, like, and and again, it's like, you, like this can't happen. You 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 know this is going to happen anytime, whether it's a ticketed event or or a for, or a day one drop on anything or or you know, oh my god, Twitter's losing their mind over Figment pencil box and <laughs> that's the new hotness. People and scalpers are going to buy this up so they can flip it on eBay. Like, 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 why does that particularly keep happening, Disney? I don't know. Although I will buy a Figment pencil box. So Disney, we all will, Jay. <laughs> but they're sold out. <laughs> yeah. So, I like I said, I'll be interested to watch how it goes, and and I hope it does improve. And because you know, if they bring it back next year, I hope they do then it's something that I would really consider experiencing it as long as the reviews get better and the, and the experience that we hear from guests uh, definitely starts getting better reviews. Then the next year I might actually consider doing it because it looks very cool. I think you've got all the pieces. Mm-hmm. Now you just got to execute it. And that's, yep. that's really all it is. So, all right, Landon, I think we should call that a podcast. What do you think? We can call it a podcast. Sounds good. Um, now, I think it's best for people this week to interview or interview or interact with you on socials because they don't want to get your germs in person. So <laughs> most definitely. Yes. Yes. If you see me in public, run. <laughs> so if if someone wanted to do that, how do they find you? Uh, you could follow me on Twitter. L-A-N-D-O-Z. Please go follow me. Landon Doan. I'm the best. Landon Doan. Not the rest. That's where you can follow me. 280 characters at a time on Twitter. Um, I'm hesitant to plug buttmuchchips.com because the last time I went there, I got a white blank page. Oh. So um, I really need to check into that. But, you know, I went on vacation. Then I came back sick. So I've been uh, been busy. But, yeah, buttmuchchips.com. Uh, sit on your butt and be sick, apparently. Uh, I also allegedly appear on the Phil Show <laughs> News Talk 98.7 WOKI, a radio station locally here in Knoxville, Tennessee, streaming 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time at Newstalk987.com. Also available in the iHeartRadio app and the Newstalk 987 app as well, though uh, I am going to be on uh the day this episode drops, I'm still not cleared to go back to work because uh, of, you know, the vid that I got. And uh, But I'm tentatively going to be back Tuesday and Wednesday this week. Then we're off Thursday, Friday for Thanksgiving. So uh, adjust your schedules accordingly. And like Jay said, if you see me in public, 
don't approach me. That's so, there's <laughs> um, that. Yes. So I just went to buttmunchchips.com myself, and I have to report there's a picture of a child sitting on a couch eating chips, watching TV. It says you've got the header, butt munch chips, and then the tagline, sit on your butt and munch. There's nothing else on the page. Oh, that's not great. That's that it. not great. <laughs> <laughs> I that's need to so contact funny. my IT department. Wait, that's me. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny that that's that's it's still there but that's all you get <laughs> oh boy <laughs> maybe that's the universe telling me th- this bit is run its course buddy <laughs> oh man that's so good <laughs> oh that's oh boy well anyway go check that out go check out buttmuchchips.com and enjoy that picture and, yeah, yeah uh, go look at that picture of that uh, of that portly child eating potato chips. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, you can follow the Morning Monorail on socials. We're at Morning Monorail on Instagram and Twitter. And if you want to join our Facebook group, that's the Monday Morning Monorail fam. You can join us there. We have a Discord. If you need more information on that, just send me a message and I can get you to the Discord. Do all of that. Enjoy your Thanksgiving, and then maybe come back around here next week for another episode of the Monday Morning Monorail Podcast. Until then, make sure you thank a cast member, thank a team member, be excellent to each other, and party on, dudes. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Happy Thanksgiving, everyone!